Matthias, let's just take a second to talk about our Patreon channel. Obviously, a lot of people love the show, and we get a lot of messages from people asking us how to uh, support us and help us grow the podcast. Now, Patreon is obviously, without doubt, the best way to do it. It really helps us grow the show, helps us pay people who help us out, helps us you know, keep shining the job, the, the editor behind the scenes. Um, why do you, want to, do you want to just let people know what they get, some of the perks? Yeah, I mean, we offer so many interesting extra things for Patreons. So we, we have a bonus episode, um, we do Q&As, and we're also looking into other ways of like getting um, our Patreon supporters special access to some of my um, very deep and fantastic knowledge and such things. Yeah, you're wanting to introduce some, uh, not one-on-one, but small small group lectures on specific subjects, which I think would be amazing. Patrons would absolutely love that. I would absolutely love that. You know, half an hour topic of you just ranting without me interrupting on a subject <laughs> has to be has to be perfect. You know, who's not going to, to love that? Yeah, yeah. Like things, you know, we talk about on the podcast, maybe like we mentioned something about Viking ships or something that has to do with the mythology and, and people want to know more about that. And then we can like dig deep into that for like 30 minutes in a, in, in a short lecture. I think a lot of people would find that very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, let's not forget anybody who signs up to the Patreon at any level is going to get a bonus episode every week. Um, it's either going to be the story time episode that we do with Jonas Lorenzen which you have to agree with is, is one of the funniest times you must have all week. It is brilliant. He does. It is amazing. Good job. <laughs> I love yeah. it. <laughs> it is. And then the other, the other episode, we're still undecided hundred percent on what it, it's going to be, but it looks like it's going to be a conversational type episode where me and Mateus just get a little bit more personal about ourselves, but also we're going to get, let people have the chance to ask questions, Q and a, whether it's about the podcast or about us. And um, you're going to be able to put your question to us through Patreon then we're going to have a, a little bonus episode where we explore those and people get a little bit more interactive with those, which I think would be fun for the, for the fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I feel like I'm seeing with our audience is that they really like to be interactive with us. So we're trying to offer as many opportunities on our platform to do that outside of social media otherwise because that, that can get a little little much sometimes <laughs> yeah there we go i mean honestly if you just jump over to uh patreon forward slash naughty mythology podcast you can have a look at all the different tiers we've got there they start from five dollars up to twenty dollars and you can cancel at any point you can try it out for a month listen to the old episodes listen to the old story time episodes cancel if you don't enjoy it and and there we go, but we were more than sure confident that you'll uh, you'll like what you hear. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farrand, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> um, this time, we are going to be talking with just me and Daniel. We are having a nice little conversation about, um, well, Daniel is going to tell us about his trip to Oslo, and um, we're also going to talk about goddesses in the Old Norse pantheon so um yeah welcome to the show everybody 
I feel I feel like how have we gone 116 episodes and not done one on goddesses yet? I mean, I guess that that speaks a little too much to 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 the dudism of it all. I guess I, I, <laughs> maybe I, we're a little too much bros that we haven't talked about goddesses before. Probably. I mean, episode one is shield maidens, and <laughs> that is true. That Valkyrie, is true. So you know. We've touched on it. We touched on it for sure. Yes, yes, um, yes. But but to be fair, the main explanation is just because we're a bunch of ding dongs, and that's it. So uh... <laughs> quick, fucking get rid of the shovels before we dig ourselves any deeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, how, how how are you doing? Before I tell you about my trip, how's how's life for for Matthias? Oh well, it's it's um quote unquote complicated um you know it's, it's, I, I, it's going I feel you better. on that one <laughs> yeah I, I know i know um no it's it's going better over here we we've dealt with a bunch of uh health issues in the family and uh um everything is uh starting to get back on track and everything so just slowly slowly getting better um mm-hmm. yeah uh spring is starting to come up here in the mountains um, at 9,200 feet. I mean, we still don't have any buds or leaves or anything on the trees, but but I can see that spring is, is just about to get there. It'll probably happen sometime mid-June, and until then, we're going to still have a couple of uh, snowfalls. But that, if nothing else, makes me feel better. So and then you'll um, be right back into winter again. Absolutely, yeah. It'll happen in August. <laughs> the first the first winter. The first winter. <laughs> Fool's winter. <laughs> oh dear. Um yeah, so I was in Oslo this last weekend. Had a really, really good time. Enjoyed it. Beautiful country. Um met some good people. Got to got to go to the the what's the main the museum in the center. In the really beautiful museum, in the really, in the you don't even the know really, what museum you went to, <laughs> Matthias. You're asking me this question. What do you think? What do you think? Because I don't know the name of it. <laughs> Is it? Are you talking about the, the the national museum, or or what are you talking about? I think so. Yes, I'm not 100 percent sure. It was prayer. They had some nice things in there. They have a so they, they had like a, a, a Viking exhibition on the top floor. Uh-huh. Um, at the minute. And it was it was good. I got to wander around with my little backpack on, taking pictures of all the pretty things. I that sounds great. <laughs> like a little tourist. <laughs> um, so that was good. And then obviously I went to meet Runa from Midgard's Blot for a little sneaky secret meeting. Um, first, hopefully, something we we're going to be able to announce shortly that involves us as well. Yes, that does uh, sound uh, very exciting. It is exciting, (laughs) so so definitely stay tuned. uh, Stay tuned for that because we're going to have some big announcements. I think. I think we will. Yes, yes, Um, yeah. So that was that was fun. Yeah, to be honest, I had a real. I just had a good time. It was nice to to get away um, and see see the the, the pretty place. <laughs> see 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 a foreign country. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Well, 
it's fun, it's fun because I got to go like I went on my own, so that was nice. I just have that alone time to to go and wander and be a free spirit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sounds sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, I think that's oh one thing I want to say is I forgot this. I put this on my Instagram earlier. Was that you remember when we did the coconut episode? You probably remember this. I forgot this. When when not the coconut episode, when they did the episode where I was drinking our coconut for no apparent yeah. reason. I just saw it in the stock shop. And then decided to say in the episode that when we get to 200 patrons, I will do the episode in a coconut bikini. Yes. Well, apparently we are now at like 185 patrons and I'm getting a little bit scared. <laughs> the people have heard you. <laughs> I, 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 apparently so. I, I put on my Instagram today and then we had like a bunch of new subscribers. I'm like, fuck <laughs> <laughs> I, I i think that's great i mean i i this of course deserves to be mentioned over and over again uh that once we get to 200 patreon supporters um daniel will be doing the episode in a coconut bikini i just want to reiterate that he will be doing the episode in a coconut bikini and everybody who's a patreon supporter will get access to the visuals of that coconut bikini. So and a grass skirt. I'm definitely, I'm definitely getting a grass skirt. If I'm doing it, of course I'm you going are. all in. Of course and, I am. And I had a like a fruit hat of some kind, right? You know, oh, a banana like a, hat. Yeah, or pineapple or something. Chiquita, chiquita bonita later. Is that right? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> they, they, that's, I'm sure that's what they were called over here. That oh, that was just completely racist, and Sean's gonna have to edit out the episode. Oh shit! Let's see, <laughs> what, what, what what did you what do you do now, man? <laughs> no, that's what they were called. They used to have the advert on. I remember when I was a, a kid. Um, so yeah, so when we hit two hundred, I'm gonna wear a coconut bikini. So if you if you do like the show and you do want to see that happen, just pop over to Patreon. I know a few people think it's really complicated. It takes a few seconds. It's not a mythology podcast. No, Patreon forward slash not a mythology podcast. Um, it's the price of buying one of us a cup of coffee. And I mean, hell, we... I might actually become a Patreon supporter of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see it happen. <laughs> I, um, Luciana messaged me. He's like, let me know when you get to 199. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm not telling you that. <laughs> should, should we do, should we get into goddesses? Yes, let's do, let's do the whole thing about goddesses. Because that is a very, very interesting topic. Um, as we like to say. That we've neglected for we've neglected for 115 episodes yes as we have been <laughs> collecting it for a pretty long time at this point yes okay so what what is the first thing you'd like to know about goddesses dan what constitutes as a goddess that's a really good question okay so actually that's a, that's, a, that's a really good good place to start because um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but uh, in the Germanic languages, and English is actually a Germanic language, uh, even though some people are like, oh, is it? Yeah, it is. Uh, just the whole basis for English is Germanic. And you got a bunch of like French influence and, and Latin and so on, but, but it's still a Germanic language. And the interesting thing is that in English and all the other Germanic languages, the word God used to be a neutral word okay it, it was not a, a gendered uh male uh originally and this also means then that we 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 don't didn't have you know a a, a female 
version of a god either. So, so if you dig into the mythology, uh, not mythology, etymology of, of the word itself, then um, it looks like it meant something like um, a, a something that is addressed, something that you uh, call upon or, or um, uh, yeah, you know, communicate with in, in, in some kind of religious context. So that means that anything could be a god, essentially if it's just religiously charged, right? So, so that's that's really important to consider because it also means that we can't necessarily expect the same sort of like gender connotations that we today would associate with mythologies and religions and so on to have been present back then. Of course, there were very similar uh, gender connotations though, in, in some cases at least. Um, but we just it's just important to consider that we can't expect it, right? We can expect um, that people perhaps had multiple ways of thinking about these things in different ways. So, okay. so how, cool. how do we know who's male and who's female then if, if the same word applies to, to both? Well, I mean, so fortunately or unfortunately, depending on um how, how you approach the topic, the, the mythology that we have written down is written down in that firmly Christianized context where God is a male. And so we see Snorri Sturluson, for instance, distinguishing between Aesir as the male gods and Ausinir as the female deities. Okay. Right. Now, it's not clear that that actually was a distinction that existed prior to um, medieval Iceland. It could have been, uh, it, it actually kind of looks like Snyder Sturluson might have invented that fucking <laughs> distinction. <laughs> so that's also important to consider that if you asked a, a Viking about the Aesir, that, that that Viking might not have distinguished between a male and a female aus mm -hmm. in, in, uh, if you asked that question. Um, who are they? What are they? And so on. We don't know if if, the, if a Viking would have uh, thought, oh well, the Aesir are male, and then there are the Ausinir. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that could just as well just be Snorri Sturluson who's inventing that little bit. So that's that's really important to consider. All right. So what are, what are the earliest uh, evidence of, of goddesses in in this whole mythology? Well, the earliest archaeological material that we have is on the Matronai from the Rhineland. Um, and like that whole area that goes from, which is the, the parts that are now um, Eastern France, France and Western uh, Germany, um, all the way up along the Rhine through the Netherlands and that whole area. That's where you see a lot of goddess worship in the first couple of centuries uh, CE. Um, and what we can see is that this is a mix of Celtic, Roman, and Germanic goddess cults that are, that are being generated there. And we can see a slow and steady trickle of, of uh, uh, related cultic activity, if we can call it that, into Scandinavia from, from that area. Um, 
And we have the Roman historian Tacitus, who writes about goddess worship in a quote-unquote an island up in the northern ocean and that is probably somewhere in Denmark uh, he talks about a goddess named Nerthus who's uh, being transported around in a wagon um, during certain times of the year um, and kept in a temple by a lake um, at other times of the year and um, and um, uh, what we have from that same time period when Tacitus is writing, we have a bunch of uh, wagons that have been deposited in bogs and lakes in the Danish area. There okay. are, so far, six of them have been found. So um, it actually kind of seems like he's talking about some kind of cult that is actually leaving um, archaeological remains in that time period when he's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and of course, we have a bunch of depictions of females in various forms uh, in on archaeological material from um, that time period and, and onwards. So, so we know that they are worshiping goddesses in in Scandinavia in that time. Does it the uh, Does it seem like it's it's more like individual cults rather than a a wide range of worshiping goddesses? Does it seem like I guess like the out for the most part people would would worship god the gods like that like the male figures and then like you'd have sects or little like cults that would would, would go with towards the, the females or is that not an issue or a, a thing? I don't I don't I don't think so. I think it's um is it, it looks like um there is a relatively even distribution of people's religious interests in various deities. Okay. Do you like, see? Um, do you see male, like male cults, in the same way that, that you mentioned with the the female one? Do you see that as well? Like kind of little sex, the where they, they choose one one god or one deity well, so, to, so to worship. The, the thing is that we don't have um, it, when we. When it comes to like Scandinavia in the centuries after Tacitus, we don't have, you know, um, and this goes for all religion essentially, uh, all religious practices. We, we don't have um, a very good picture of like a distinct cults for anything. Okay, really, like what we have is like scattered evidence that that look looks like a smoking gun, so to speak. Or maybe the smoke from the fire, or what? However you want to say. So, for instance, we have like temples that that we have like archaeologically uncovered in many places in Scandinavia. Now, archaeologists archaeologists don't like to call it temples because of some random ass debates that happened in the early twentieth century. But they are temples. That's just what they are. And archaeologists would like for me to call them cult houses instead, <laughs> just so you know. But they're fucking temples. What's, okay? what's, what's the difference? Uh, the difference is is like nitpicking terminology, you know, because if you say temple and people are thinking like, you know, maybe something like Roman with like stone columns and all that stuff. Okay, and that's not exactly what we have. But then on the other hand, because like one of the things that archaeologists will be pointing out is that well, these these locations where we can see distinct religious and cultic activity, they are also used for other things. 
And it's like, yeah, sure. And and then the, the archaeologist is like, so let's call them cult houses instead of temples. But on the other hand, the temples in Rome and Greece and elsewhere, they were also used for other things than distinct religious activities. So is it really that big of a difference? Anyway, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, it's not. I call them temples. A, 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 a temple is just it's different depending on where you are in the world, what religion. Um, mm-hmm. They're all completely different. I mean... I'm sure there's some temples over here in, in England where people go and play football in the afternoon. <laughs> like I am the, sure. the multi-purpose, <laughs> like they, they get used for a bunch of different things. Yes. Oh, I'm I'm sure you're right about that. So I know I'm right about okay, it. So... I played football in them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you are. <laughs> All right. So so these temple sites, for instance, they show evidence of, of various what we would call in, in the lingo of the field cultic activity. And a lot of it seems sort of like cast, at least when we get to the 500s and onwards, a lot of it seems cast in sort of a, if you could call it, quote unquote, male image, mm-hmm. in the sense that a lot of the uh, the um, the items that are found, they, they carry uh, images of men on them or things that have to do with war or warriorhood or the status of a man of some kind so there is there seems to be a shift too where from the 500s and onwards um religious activity pivots more towards the activities of um not just men but but more specifically the ruling warrior elite right so you have a development in society where everything becomes more and more structured around warrior elites Mm -hmm. and this is what is essentially the viking age the viking age is a um, is kind of defined by the fact that we have societies in scandinavia that are dominated by a warrior elite which might not have been the case before the 500s what we might have seen before the 500s are more things like tribal councils perhaps this is me just like suggesting because we have very, very little evidence for how it, these societies were actually structured back then. But uh, we can see a shift towards a warrior elite that starts governing society after 500. So we have to ask ourselves, well, what is the alternative that was in place before um, that is not leaving the same kind of evidence um, in, in archaeology, right? Mm-hmm. And... And this is not to like make this like lame distinction that you get with Gimbutas, uh, this uh, 1950s archaeologist like, oh, there used to be matriarchal societies and now there are patriarchal societies because la 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 la. No, that's not how it works. That's never how it worked. Um, we didn't have like some some weird golden age in in far far back in time where it was only matriarchal societies and then it's pivoted towards a darker age with male societies and patriarchal societies that's that's not how history has worked out either um at sometimes you can see perhaps societies that that lean more matriarchal and at other times lean more patriarchal mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes they might go extreme too that that is uh that, that is a possibility so what I'm just saying is that we get a more patriarchal society from the 500s and onwards, but we don't know what was before okay. the 500s, except we can see um, evidence of a religious cult that is centered around lakes and bogs and rivers, groves, and 
a lot of the items that we see sacrificed in those lakes, bogs, rivers, and groves seem to be more goddess aligned in context of what we can read in the later literature, right? Okay. So for instance, we see these wagons being put in lakes and bogs in the Danish area in the first couple of centuries CE. And we have the historian Tacitus who's writing about a goddess in a wagon and so on. And this is all attached to lakes as well. I imagine interestingly, a, I imagine a wagon is quite a expensive thing that you're not going to put in a lake without good reason for it. You know, it's 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 usable, yes. it, it means something. It might it might sound yes. kind of trivial today, but back then a wagon yeah. was important. Exactly. And you know, some of them are adorned with like uh, like metal brass coatings and and those kinds of things, very uh, intricately carved. Okay, all those kinds of things. So so people put a lot of effort into creating them, right? Is that kind of like so the ones, when I, kind of like the ones that the the ship museum in in Oslo? Because yeah, yeah, because those are the, when you say a wagon. Like I think for anybody listening, when you when when you say wagon, I think of like the just planks of wood. On the side there with the yeah, hair, no, with the hair bales in and the two wheels yeah. and, all, and all that's that's kind of like I, I imagine what people will think listening to this though. Yeah. Um that's definitely not what it is. No, you can go to the National Museum in Denmark and you can see some of these wagons that have been uncovered, and they're fucking beautiful, man. Mm-hmm. They have uh, you know, little heads carved on the sides and all kinds of things going on. So so it's a lot more ornate and intricate than 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 that sort of like uh a frumpy medieval wagon you're describing that, right there. But that, that's kind of the thought, though. Even, I mean, even that frumpy medieval wagon is still valuable to his people. But, but like you said, the the ones the ones that I saw at the at the ship museum in, in Oslo are unbelievably well. Yes, unbelievable so, intricate detail. The like, way it's yeah, it, it's it's it, it unbelievable is the only word to think when you see that and kind of look at it and go. How the fuck did somebody make this? And hopefully we'll, we'll get Shan to put maybe like a link in the in the show notes so people mm-hmm. can check it out because it is remarkable. It's not just a wagon. The, no, exactly. And that, that's the the a- analogy I like to make when it, when talking about these wagons and ships, for that matter. That later on I put in the uh, the uh, um, the graves in the Viking Age. It's, it's it's sort of like the same thing as if Jeff Bezos, like he 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 got that huge yacht uh, made in the Netherlands where they had to take down a fucking bridge uh, to for to be able to to sail it out of the uh, the harbor, and like it it's kind of like the same with like if Jeff Bezos was like, you look guys, I'm gonna die soon, and when I die. I want you to chuck me in my yacht and then put a uh, Bentley in the yacht as well. And then a bunch of my gold and uh, some animals and slaves or whatever the fuck he's got. Um, that's what the Vikings did. They sacrificed slaves and put them in them. That sounds like well. some Elon and Musk then, energy right there. Well, I feel like it's any of those billionaires <laughs> energy. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then they chuck that in in a in a burial mound, right? That's that that's what it's about, right? That's that's what um, that's sort of like the same analogy that, if, or that's, that that is the analogy that we can use here. I think, like if if if, uh, if Jeff Bezos wanted to go out that way, mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, so they're not. It, it's not <laughs> just some kind of menial thing. Like, it's, no, no. It's it's so hard to even describe how how intricately carved some of these things are. It's I I still don't understand how how they did it. It's beyond it's beyond words. It. it I remember the first time when I went to the ship museum and just, just walking around, I, I felt speechless and it's overwhelming until you kind of, you don't realize until you kind of see it in person and then it's overwhelming. You're like, okay, how did they, how did they carve this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, they, they, uh, they were some really, really good uh, craftsmen mm-hmm. back then. Holy shit. Um, and women. Yeah. So, so, Maybe so women. moving, but, getting back to the goddesses right so so what we can see in that time period up until the 500s is is this uh cultic activity in scandinavia centered around these bogs and lakes and groves as i mentioned there there's a decent amount of human sacrifice involved as well so there is something that suggests that these goddesses needed humans um this is why we have all of those uh very well preserved uh, bog bodies in northern Germany and in the Netherlands and Denmark and and so on. Okay, here's a um, so here's a question. I've got I've got to ask this as it comes into my mind. So, do we see a correlation between if it's like a, a sacrifice to a male god, would it be a a female slave, and vice versa? If it was a female god, would it be a male slave? Is that? Or do we? Is there that, a possibility to even know that? There, there's nothing that we can sort of like. Uh, used to to really uh, say for sure that 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 is a like a way that they were thinking, except for one thing, and that is so so this going back to this Nerthus ritual, uh, Nerthus is uh, a goddess who is transported around by, uh, according to Tacitus, a male slave, and we are told uh, at the end of the story that this male slave. Um, "Quote unquote is consumed by the bog afterwards. So, so okay. it sounds like he's being sacrificed. <laughs> he's thrown in and the buffet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they, they bogged him. Let's call him kettle so, kettle. He's thrown in the bog. The poor guy. <laughs> yes, he's, yeah. So, so, so it does look like uh, that there is some kind of like male female relationship here of a female deity and uh, then a male warden of some kind who is then supposed to." join her I, th- I think that might be the, uh, the, the the logic behind it that he's joining her uh, in in the bog and this is where it gets really funky because we do have another story that is a very similar story about a wagon ritual but this one this story is written in Iceland in the early 1300s right. and it describes a ritual where the god Freyr is uh, transported around in a wagon in like the, the the Swedish hillbilly country. That's always where the Icelanders put the paganism in in their stories. Like Swedish hillbillies are the ones who do pagan stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so in this in this situation, this is really interesting because what we have is a story about Christianization. That's always what it is, right? So we have a guy who's Christian. He runs into these weird backwards Swedish hillbillies who are doing pagan rituals. And so now he has to do something about it, right? Mm -hmm. And in this context, our good friend Gunnar, uh, he, um, he essentially, uh, so, so, so Freyr 
is uh, being um, taken care of by a female priestess servant kind of person. Okay. And um, and and in according to the story, uh, she is quote unquote married to Freyr. Okay. Okay. So there's already the implication of a sexual relationship between this priestess and then a religious idol, right? Now, since this is a Christian story, this uh, religious idol has been possessed by a demon, right? Who is an agent of the devil. This is what happens according to medieval Christianity. If you give sacrifices and offerings to a, a wooden idol or a stone idol that you created, it, then it will be then be possessed by a demon at some point. And then that demon will start fucking around with you. How convenient. Right? How convenient. If, if you do that, <laughs> demons. <laughs> yes demons and and then that demon starts fucking around with you and apparently in this context quite literally right because she has apparently some kind of sexual relationship with with this frere demon okay what happens next is that gunnar then uh kicks frere's ass uh he has a wrestling match or something with him like they they they, they get into it and then he uh, he kick, kicks him out and then he takes the place of the idol and that how that's how he then you know uh, impregnates this uh, this priestess. So what do we learn from this story? Okay, first of all, surface level, this is of course a, a a story about a Christian story about how ridiculous paganism is. They believe in in uh, superstition and 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 demons and so on. But the underlying layer here, if there's any truth to the story, which I think there is, is that. It seems like there has been this fertility cult in Scandinavia that was centered around this usage of wagons to transport deities around in uh, a certain landscape that they presumed owned, right? Like presumably they owned that landscape and and were in charge of the fertility and everything. And the uh, if it was a male deity, then it would be a female uh, uh a priest or warden or guardian or whatever we want to call that and it would be assumed that they were in a marriage or sexual relationship so we so it does look like what we have in this story is essentially like uh the inverted version of that nathus ritual like it's also pretty interesting that nathus etymologically is the older form of the name nyader and Njadr is the father of Freyr, and also a fertility god. So, Would you look at that? Would you look uh-huh. at that? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so there, is, there seems to be something to this, uh-huh. right? And there does seem to be this sort of like male-female relationship um, that is playing out in, in, in the same way as it, as it would in, in, in a regular uh, partnership okay. or Should, marriage. Do we... That's got me thinking now. Um, do we... Do we ever see like gods change sex, like through? It does look like through, it, right? through time period. Like, do they just go from? I mean, it looks like Nerthus. Uh, yeah, I was thinking has, other than has other, other than that. Do we see any? Do we know of any that maybe have started out female, turned became male, or vice versa? Mm, there's not a lot. Um, that can be safely said about this. Okay. But there is something that, 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 I mean, 
if you look at the mythology, we do have some instances where it's very, very clear that there is something going on in terms of um, someone's sex being threatened, right? And the best example is the story about Skadi, right? Which we know is an old story, and we know it's a story that is tied to southern Scandinavia because we find uh, parts of this story also in Saxo, the Danish historian who's writing just before Snorri is writing, right? And he knows this story too, but he knows it in a very different version, and um, and and it's um, it, it, it has something, it has some kind of relationship to these. Um, um, these wagon gods, uh, and Freya, and so on. Anyway, I'd, I'd be good if if a thousand years later I was known as a wagon god. <laughs> I mean, I would be so safe. God. That's how <laughs> that's how I was remembered on a on a podcast in 2022 was the wagon god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so so so. What we have is, of course, a Nerthus figure in the first century CE who uh, is female. And then going uh, 1100 years into the future in uh, the Icelandic literature that is being written about Nordic gods, this Nerthus figure has changed sex and is now Njörður, who's a male god and who said to rule the temples do you think that links to what you were saying about um it becoming like a warrior culture a more a more patriarchal society do you think that maybe that is part of why it kind of transitions that's a reasonable interpretation it's 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 possible because what we do see is that this story about deities and wagons all of a sudden we have the story about frer Who's who's a deity in a wagon? Who's in charge of the fertility of the land and and be, being carted around by a, by some chick? And in the same way, we also have a couple of stories about, um, especially uh, Danish kings, who after they die, get embalmed, or in other ways, like we we pretend they're still alive and we transport them around in the country, and in that way we maintain uh, fertility of the land. That, that's, like the, that's always the, the, the thing that comes together here. A god, a wagon, and fertility when they're like driving around in, in the country. So there is something to be said for like, it looks like there is a, basically like a sex change for these wagon deities. And then they start, okay. they start being, being, being dudes with giant wings. <laughs> <laughs> that that means, that's what but okay so but here's the interesting thing if we go to Snorri's story about Njörður and Skadi it's just really fascinating to see that we have the situation where uh, it, it starts with the story about how uh, Odin, uh, Loki and Hainir run into Thiazzi this eagle demon kind of thing who threatens the life and fertility and immortality of the gods. How does he do this? 
Well, first of all, we have a situation where these Odin, Heine, and Loki, they're like hanging out in, in the wilderness somewhere. And then they see a, a herd of oxen and they're like, hey, let's eat one of those. And they're like, okay, cool. So let's build a little turf oven and roast that off, uh, oxen in it. And then they're like, wait, this meat isn't getting done, even though we've had it in the fire forever. And then there's, and then there's like this eagle sitting in a tree atop, uh, above them and they're like, uh, what's up, dude? And the eagle's like, hey, these, these are my oxen and you guys owe me. Otherwise, you can't cook this thing. And they're like, okay, well, you can have a part of it. And then he's like, okay, fine. And then it gets cooked and then he eats the whole damn thing or <laughs> all the best parts at least. And then Loki gets mad and starts beating that eagle with a stick. And then the eagle uh, uses magic to make that stick stick to the eagle. And then he flies high into the air with Loki and Loki gets shit scared and promises that eagle he'll do anything to get back down and then the eagle goes okay cool you will have to make sure that i can catch Idun when she comes at, uh, at some point later on and then loki's like okay cool i'm gonna do that so loki lures Idun, who carries the magical apple apples that ensures immortality for the gods he lures her out of Ausgader, and then immediately as she's lured out from uh, Ausgader, uh, Fiatsi comes and snatches her. Okay, now what happens then? The gods are like, "Holy shit, we're getting old! How are we getting old? Well, we don't have the apples. Where the, where the hell did Elon go? Right?" And then through a bunch of complications, they they end up uh, finding out that Loki is involved and they beat his ass and and then they're like, okay, Loki, now you're going to have to go get it back and, she, and he does that and all that stuff. Okay. All right. There are some serious over and undertones of the story about how uh, Hades um, um, kidnaps Persephone in this story. Just throwing that out there. The, the, there's some Greek mythology to, to all of this. It seems to be a very similar story in many ways, at least like in, in sort of like the very basic fabric mm -hmm. of it. But aside from that, um, the gods eventually end up vanquishing Thiazzi, uh, burning him in a fire. And then um, what happens next is that his daughter gets pissed off. And what we see is that his daughter then puts on armor and picks up uh, war gear, and then she goes to war against the Aesir. And what Snyder tells us is that the Aesir are shitting bricks as soon as she shows up by their wall. So they're like, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Instead of fighting, could we, like, make a deal? Could we figure something out here? Okay. And... And she's like, okay, yeah, maybe you have to like really compensate me hard for this. Um, they're like, okay, cool. What do you want? She's like, well, I, I want to marry Balder. So this is, this is really interesting because this is a woman who's dictating terms in marriage, which is very uncommon for Viking Age and medieval Iceland. Viking Age and medieval Iceland is sort of like a situation where women are more or less sold as cattle to, uh, between families all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So here we have the inverted situation. Then what happens next is uh, that the gods are like, okay, you can perhaps marry Balder, but you have to choose only from the feet. So they put all of these men, all the Aesir, all the male Aesir, are put behind this curtain. <laughs> and Why? she can only see their feet. This is so bonkers. 
It's insane. (laughs) (laughs) She can only see the feet. And she's like, oh, this guy has pretty feet. That's got to be Boulder. Okay? Just Boulder's think about got, that for a second. She doesn't know that Boulder's got hooves. He's got hooves. <laughs> She's literally going after pretty feet. Right? I, I don't know if, if there's like some weird connotation to that in, 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 in medieval and Viking age Scandinavia, but pretty feet. But I, I, mean, I mean, she's she's assuming Boulder's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So he's got pretty feet. Yeah, feet. But it turns out that the dude with the prettiest feet, apparently, among the Aesir, is Njadr. Right. So yeah, he's another. He's looking. I guess he's so. looking after them. Yeah. It's all that nice salt water. He's like hanging out by the, nice <laughs> the sea soft. all the time, right? Yeah, <laughs> nice and soft and looked after, hydrated. Yeah. Okay. So what happens next, right? Is that Scotty is like, okay, guys, I I got a husband. Um, really not what I was looking for, but I guess whatever. Um, and now you also have to make me laugh because you you did a shitty thing. You killed my dad, right? And, <laughs> and then they're like, <laughs> then like, then like, oh, okay, okay. Um, and uh, that's when uh, Loki then uh, takes a rope, ties it around his testicles, and takes the other side uh, end of the rope and ties it around the. Uh, the beard of a billy goat and then they run around uh tucking at, <laughs> at each other uh for a while and uh and, the, and then the, then she she laughs the fact that that's in a story that means that must have happened somebody at some point in and around the viking age when this story was created did that they they did that so, in the, in a hall to make people laugh and they're like that's gonna go in the story <laughs> and now they live on so, so there is um there is something if i remember correctly that suggests that this was actually a relatively common scandinavian punishment for adultery if you got caught yeah, with someone else's wife as a man then somebody would tie your 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 balls to to a goat and drag you through town I mean, it's, a, it's a deterrent it's a deterrent <laughs> it's, it's gonna work <laughs> <laughs> so um yes so okay. so so we have that that situation but and and what what is if we like dig into that whole situation i mean obviously tying your balls to anything that moves um is is something that's going to you know jeopardize your 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 manhood to some extent so so we may assume that that what is actually happening here is that is that this female deity or whatever she is, Skadi, um, like literally has the Aesir by the balls in the story. Do we, There's something do we know like, she's, to that effect. Here. Do we know she's a, 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 a goddess or... Because I, I always thought was well, she described as a giant. Well, that's that's how she's described in the story. Her father is a giant or a Jürgen, right? But also, but, but also an eagle. Well, yeah, he's, he's like that's what they can do. You know? <laughs> Show up as eagles if they want to, like whatever. Um, but so can Odin. I mean, come on, he turns into an eagle all the time. Um, but what what uh, what we also know though is from other stories that she's referred to as the shining bride of the Aesir and as a goddess. So it's like she's she can she's many different things. Um, she might you know turn into 
a goddess, I guess, when she is married into the ranks of the gods. That's a possibility. Either way, what stands to reason is that we have here a story that highlights some very, very complicated uh, gender interactions in Old Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something here that, uh, first of all, we have the traditional idea of, of what constitutes male dominance being challenged and it fucking crumbles immediately as it's being challenged by this deity, yeah, Skadi. As all men do when challenged. Apparently. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> Too shit. <laughs> so, 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 so that's the first thing that happens. Like the, the stories about the Nordic gods in Snorri Sturluson's Etta are generally incredibly male-dominated and patriarchal in in their, their structure and 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 how behavior unfolds, all that stuff, right? And then boom, we have this scenario where where, where Skadi shows up and 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 um their uh I guess throbbing penises become pretty flaccid and just like dangly. So, so that's really what's happening here. They're like, okay, we're sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, that a, a, a physical threat to, to uh, Loki's uh, testicles. Okay. Now, what we also have is another story where we, we see a, a similar um, um, gender complication, right? That is the story about Thor who loses his hammer to Thrym. Thrym steals his hammer, and then he's like, you can get it back if I can marry Freya. Freya. Not Freya. <laughs> hey. Um, hey, you never know. They can do what they want. Um, they can do what, do they, what want. they want. I'm not going to judge. So, he's, so, so what happens next is that Thor is like, yes, yes, that's of course what needs to happen. So he just like, like barges in at, at, at Freya's hall, and he's like, Freya, Go marry this giant over here. And Freya's like, what the fuck? <laughs> you can't boss me around. Yeah. Like, why would I go to like she literally says, like, you must think that I'm some crazy whore. Okay. Or something like that. Like that, that's that's almost like verbatim what she says. Okay, so, and, that, so that clearly shows a difference to maybe what actual society is like. Because you said obviously earlier that the women tended to be married here, there. Depending on, well, that's on, what the, we know on the political game. That's what it looks like cases. in medieval Iceland, mm-hmm. right? That's what it looks like in medieval Iceland. And by extension, the sources that we have on medieval Iceland, by extension, we can we can we can suggest that something similar is going on in the Viking Age. But as I pointed out before, Iceland is a very different society from the rest of Scandinavia okay. in the Viking Age. Iceland is actually the anomaly, right? That's something we should always keep in mind. Whenever we, like, this is a really big problem when we use the literary sources from Iceland to get any sense of what it was like in Norway or Sweden or Denmark or Finland or whatever in, in northern mainland Europe. Because, um, because Iceland is an immigrant society where you have a bunch of Norwegians and a bunch of possibly other Scandinavians and then a bunch of people from the Gaelic uh, communities in Ireland and Scotland who've gone there and then they're figuring shit out mm-hmm. amongst each other, right? Okay. 
And, and that, that turns out to be an entirely different society. And any European, any European, somebody in Europe right now in this moment, will, who goes to America will recognize that this is kind of weirdly similar to stuff that I know. And then it's also just like completely different. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is my argument that Iceland was probably quite the same. Okay. To most Scandinavians, like if you were some somebody from um, the, the the fjords in Norway, and you took a trip to Iceland the first time, you'd be like, "I recognize a lot of this, but there's also some really really weird stuff going on that I have no idea what that okay. is." Right. Yeah. So 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 that's probably what what we have what we're dealing with when it comes to Iceland <laughs> in this time period. Okay. And so. So that also means that gender relations could be different in Iceland compared to mainland Scandinavian. Okay. Okay. I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, and I want to talk like specifics about goddesses. Okay. Yeah. Much... Let me just like finish this thing about Thor saying like, hey, Freya, you need to go marry this giant, right? Is that because what happens Is that because next? we got a bad review saying that we go off on tangents and don't finish stories <laughs> <laughs> i don't read the reviews but hey <laughs> no is it so i mean what happens next is of course that thor's manhood is compromised immediately after he said hey freya you need to do this freya says uh no and then then she's uh, she's like you go figure this out yourself and then what happens next is that Loki and Heimdall is like, hey, let's put some makeup on Thor and dress him up as a chick and then send him off, mm -hmm. right? And then Loki's like, I'm on board. Let me, by the way, also dress up as his bridesmaid and then we go. I feel, right? I feel like so, Loki just wanted an excuse. He, I'm sure he was, he was, was ready. He, he was like, yeah, I'm, this is a bit of me. <laughs> but the, the, the situation is then that we had like, we literally have like, a, a, a like a god who who goes to a goddess and says you have to do this and immediately after he said that like he finds himself in 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 a bridal dress mm -hmm. right like do, you have to ask yourself what what what's going on man do, do, is, so, is that specific do they say a bridal dress or is it just a, uh, a dress? yeah yeah no no it's it's actually a lot more uh, elaborate than that and i can find it and i guess do really we know i guess that, that we need to do an episode i think on on weddings in the viking age and what what they're like because i see this, this is one of my bugbears i see so many people like saying they're having like a hand fasting and a, and a and a traditional viking wedding and all this stuff i would love to know what was real and i guess but but you yeah. saying that you know he wore a, a bridal dress i guess at least suggest that there was something to it like this kind of special thing that you wore okay so listen to this so right after freya has gotten like really pissed off by thor saying hey you have to go marry this giant then it goes all together the Aesir came in council and all the Asunir in, in consultation and what they debated those mighty gods was how they should get back Chlorides hammer Chlorides is another name for Thor then Heimdall sa said the widest of the gods he knows the future as do the Vanya too let's tie on Thor a bridal headdress let him wear the great necklace of the breezings let 
keys jingle by his side and women's clothing fall over his knees and on his breast display jewels and we'll put a pointed headdress probably on his head. Then said Thor, the vigorous <laughs> god, the Aesir will call me perverse if I let you tie a bridal headdress on me. Then said Loki, Leve's son, be quiet, Thor, don't speak these words. The giant will be settling in Ausgarder unless you get your hammer back. So there we are. Then it goes on to, then they tied on Thor a bridal headdress and the great necklace of the breezings. They let keys jingle by his side and women's, women's clothing fall down over his knees. And on his breast, they displayed jewels and put a pointed headdress properly on his head. There you go. There we go. And then said Loki Leve's son, I'll go with you to be your maid. They you did. two shall drive. Of course he did. No one even, no one even fucking asked him. And he was like, I'll, I'll go. I'm there. I mean. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So Thor gets his hammer back. Do you want to, I don't know if you... Eventually Thor gets his hammer back. And um, yeah. I feel like we've spent but, um... a lot of time in the episode about goddesses talking about female goddesses that have turned to male or that similar sort of situation. So I want to talk about like specific goddesses and see what we know. Um, the first one that you mentioned was uh, Eden. I know they, we've spoken about it before. Obviously, I guess my first question is from our conversations in the past is, do you think she actually existed or do you think it was a creation by Snorri to humanize the gods that these apples kind of could take away their, their eternal life. Um, so first things first, um, apples as a uh, tree fruit of some kind probably did have some relationship to ideas of fertility and, and such. Uh, any 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 such like uh, uh, fruits of trees are represented uh, on depictions of these matronae I was talking about that that appear in the very early period in the Rhineland area. We have a we have a saying um, in England: uh, "An apple a day keeps the doctor away." Yes, so it's which it's like a... is kind of stupid because hey, like <laughs> not the case. Have you eaten an apple every day? <laughs> <laughs> have you tried it <laughs> <laughs> okay um now okay so a goddess who carries apples then and and that these apples have some kind of like s symbolic power in terms of fertility everlasting life or that kind of stuff that's actually not that far off from a pre-snurry mythology okay that's something to keep in mind um but this this little element of like, oh, the gods they aren't mortal unless they have magic apples. That that's where you had to ask yourself, really, you really think that they were so basic that they thought that? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, obviously, any 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 people that that worship a bunch of gods believe that these gods are eternal in some way or other, or or that that it would take a lot for them to lose whatever power they have and so on. So 
I doubt that that is um, it, that that is an original element it, of mythology. It seems like a very easy way to, like, like I said before, to humanize them and and kind of explain this Christianity kind of thing. Yeah, you know, like there's one god, and, I think and that, there's these gods, but it's it's all because of the apples. It's the apples that are yeah. doing it. They're not really yeah. immortal, and uh, yeah, and I think that's that's what's happening here. Now, Idun as as a figure. Um, the the etymology of a name is 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 a little bit uh, complicated, disputed, and and so on, like so many other things when it comes to that. But um, but her name might mean something to the effect of the eternal one. So 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 she might be sort of a goddess that that represented and um, some either either like a, an internal cycle of like you know, life or death and something like that, or, or eternal life or whatever, some, something um, like that. Um, um, I think uh, uh, if I remember correctly, her, the, the first uh, part of, of her name um, is, is associated with the word that Scandinavians use for evergreens. Um, some Scandinavians might know it in the version Idegran, uh, which is you know evergreen uh, fir, um, okay. fir tree of some kind. So, 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 does, so does her something to that? Does her name predate Snorri? Like yeah. her, so, okay, so maybe there is something to it then. If that, if, if her name yeah. links to this kind of evergreen and and kind of eternal life. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and and so yeah, there, there's uh, there's something to that. So she might have been an original goddess who who was associated with things like fertility and um, green lustrous growth and that kind of stuff. That's a possibility. Which okay, some of the and I, I'm sure like most people who <laughs> started like. Uh, listening to this episode, being like, "Oh, I want to hear about the goddesses." They're like, "Why the hell have they not talked about freak yet?" We're get we're getting there. Patience, patience. <laughs> That's my next question. Okay, good. We have Frigg and we also have Freya as two deities who seem to mirror each other a little bit, and then also very much be be very different deities. Um, sadly, there's not a lot about these two goddesses in the mythology, right? We, we see Frigg mainly being active in the story about Baldur's death in Snedrasturus' Edda. And then we also see her in the prelude uh, to Grimnir's Maul, Grimnir's sayings in, in the Edic poem, Grimnir's sayings, and also Vafrunir's sayings of Vafrunir's Maul. Um, that's that's where she's mostly active. Then in Lokasenna, Loki's quarrel with the gods, we also see her uh, cribbing a little bit, and and then she's done. And the same with Freya, she she shows up here and there as sort of like a side character. So there's not a lot of like descriptions of of these these uh, deities, um, and this has something to do with the fact that you know this literature is like male focused. It's 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 mostly uh, interested in uh, odds male gods, right? Um, digging into the etymology of Frigg and Freya, uh, Frigg uh, seems to 
um, connotes something like um, uh, um, beloved or, or something like that. And Freya, we're told by Snorri Sturluson in, uh, I, um, it might actually not be Snorri Sturluson, but in the uh, uh, beginning of the Norwegian King's sagas, um, that from her name comes the word uh um the word for for married woman or married women fruver which are still used in scandinavian languages today like in the danish fruer so 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 that seems to be sort of like um the basis for the names now what does that mean does that mean then that that these two deities they sort of um like are are the um, the symbolic uh, housewives of of the the gods that that might be the case. If we look at the mythology around Frigg, we also know that she lives in a place called Fensalir, which literally means marsh halls, right? So then we come circle back to all of the stuff that I've been talking about with like lakes and bogs and marshes, right? Yeah, this goddess lives in the marshes. And that might have been her, her original role as that goddess that you sacrifice things to in the marshes, in the bogs. Um, but in the story, uh, in the stories that we have, she is mostly a concerned mother and concerned housewife. She's a concerned housewife in Vafunismal, uh, where Odin is like, I am going to go test my wisdom with this giant over here. La, la, la. And, and then she's like, ah, you sure about that? Don't you like just want to hang out at home and drink a cup of coffee instead of like going out and, and doing stupid nonsense? And Odin's like, shut up, I shall leave and I will win this battle. And then he goes out there, right? Um, in, in the story about Balder's death, she tries to secure Balder's life, right? We know Balder has these dreams about how he's going to die. Then Frigg goes out and is like, hey, Everything in the entire world must swear that you are not going to kill him. And then she forgets about the mistletoe, and then the mistletoe kills him. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and then she... We're she, known for um, them now after the, after the episode I think so. with Josh. <laughs> and then, then, uh, they, um, then she fails to secure that he lives forever, the, the poor guy. And then... Once he has died and her mother, he strikes a deal with Hell saying, hey, uh, how can we get Baldo back? Uh, Hell is like, well, make everything in the world cry for him. And then the gods are like, okay, cool. And then, then Freak is, of course, part of that whole thing too. And what happens is that everything in the world cries except one. Somebody named Thuk, which is sort of like an ironically translates to thank you or something like that maybe it does and uh, and it might have been Loki in disguise that's at least kind of what Snurri is saying um, I, think, I think that's so, probably so, what most people have heard oh, that, that's at least yeah. the story that I heard is that Loki goes in disguise and refuses to, to cry and obviously he, mm -hmm. he fucks up the, the whole thing of bringing Baldwin yeah. to life yeah so, so yeah um, that's sort of that's her uh, mythological roles to be that concerned mother 
concerned housewife, so to speak. Okay. And Freya, Freya is is more even more elusive. Actually, she she shows up a, a little bit here and there, but she's mostly a side character. And so um, we know that she's she's uh, associated with sexual activity, right? That is something that we know from from different hints that we get in the mythology and also historical sources of various kinds. Um, so that means, of course, that scholars have suggested that she's sort of like a Venus type of uh, goddess. Um, but um, so it, it's really hard to say if she's more really was. if she's more of a side character. How come she's become like the prominent female kind of goddess amongst all of all of this, whether it's like a modern like the modern community um Freya is by far the, the the most known the one that people relate to um yeah she, she's the most well known so why do you think that is that that if she's kind of traditionally a side like a side character but so the way that this goes is this you have a scholar sitting somewhere, usually in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. This scholar has read um, Old Norse mythology, he's read all the different texts that are there. And then he takes all of the mentions of Freya in all of these texts, and then he puts together a nice little coherent picture of her in, in his, uh, let's, let's call it his uh, Deutsche Mythologie, because um, his name is Jakob Grimm, so <laughs> that would translate to Teutonic mythology in modern English, or English translations at least. And then he adds a bunch of stuff that he knows from folklore and from mythologies that he believes uh, are reasonably associated with Nordic mythology. So that could be, for instance, Greek, Roman, uh, Celtic, Slavic, Persian, uh, Vedic from, from India and so on, under this pretext of the Indo-European community that all of these stories in his little mind belong to. You see? Mm -hmm. And so that's how you get like this elaborate uh, picture of a deity. Mm -hmm. uh, some of it comes from the Nordic material, some of it comes from, from analysis of other sources, and then some of it comes from um from a combination of of, uh, of folklore and, and other things um, presenting a more or less acceptable argument depending on which scholar we're dealing with. Now, Jacob Grimm, for instance, he did a decent job in many ways, but there are also some cases where you're like, you know what, dude, that's a little much, right? And that's what you see with most scholarship, right? Uh, later on, some hundred years later, we will be looking at this and, and, and then we'll be going, okay, that, well, he had a good point over here, but this, this part right here uh, doesn't work out that much. But, of course, um, popular ideas about the Nordic gods and mythology in general doesn't, doesn't uh, develop as quickly, right, mm -hmm. as, as scholarship. So, and popular ideas about these go uh, gods and goddesses and all that stuff, they, they don't sift out 
those aspects that have been debunked by later scholars, right? So you, you can see it in this way, like uh, as we scholars are writing our dictionaries on Nordic mythology, right? You will have a scholar who says one thing about Freya back in the 19th century, right? Mm -hmm. And then that thing that he says gets reproduced into say the 1920s or 30s or 50s even, maybe maybe 60s. Okay. And then somebody is like, hey, wait a minute, is that even true? Mm -hmm. Let me just like look at that. And then they do a bunch of research on it. And then scholars are like, hey, wait a minute, hey, actually what this guy was saying about uh, uh, this goddess, Freya, for instance, um it isn't quite true that's not really what the texts are saying this is based on an assumption that he made by uh, conferring with uh with the greek mythology on venus or something like that and then they ditched that bit and then subsequently other mytho uh, like other dictionaries on mythology will not include that little bit right but that doesn't mean that that little bit goes out of the memory of the public okay. right because the public memory right is is cultural memory that's that's essentially everything that is available and people will choose to believe whatever they will choose to believe their 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 filter is not scholarship right it's how do i personally relate to things it's fucking memes nowadays that's what it, it is. is fucking memes like, I, I swear <laughs> i honestly i i'm 100 sure that most people get their information on all of this from memes and they are horrendous you see the same ones pop up time and time again um yeah it's it's insane but that's kind of the the way it is now the that everybody just gets their information from the meme there's a lot of unless they listen to there's the nordic mythology yeah. podcast <laughs> Unless they listen to the Nordic mythology podcast. <laughs> so, yes. okay. I think the, the, the big question that most people have when it comes to goddesses is, um, uh, do, do you think that Frigg and Freya are the same person? Uh, no, I don't. Because that, that's one thing I see kind of pop up time and time mm -hmm. again. Um, the same question, you know, like that, that, that question. Yeah, I don't. I think so. Uh, there's one thing we haven't touched on, um, and that is place names. Okay. So place names in the Scandinavian area uh, suggest very few goddesses. There's a lot of deities, uh, male deities out there, right? You have Odin, Thor, Freyr. You can find. Um, you can find uh, Utlur, okay, right? Who's hardly even mentioned in in the written mythology, but he's got a bunch of place names in Norway and Sweden. Zero in Denmark. Iceland doesn't have any gods or goddesses in any of their place names. Just FYI, which is really fucking interesting. When you go back to the, what I was saying before about this being, you know, the anomaly in the Viking Age, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is this is like a a, a region that is settled by by Scandinavians that presumably when, when they start going there, right. They, they have like these little areas where they have gods and uh, it, clustering in place names. Like you have a Freyr, Odin, Thor, 
um, your other, and, and so on, right there in a little cluster around a, a little temple site or whatever, and they go there and worship, and then they decide to up and leave from Norway primarily, and go to Iceland, and then they don't they they don't build similar like, little structures with like place names dedicated to Freyr and Odin and Thor in Iceland mm-hmm. for some reason. They they it's completely blank. All they have is Hall, right? Which is which means temple site. Okay. So so to so you you the gods only know what's going on there, by the way. It's like really, really really interesting to consider. Anyway, going back to, to this uh, Scandinavian landscape with place name, right? You you have these gods there, and then you have Tyr in the Danish area, uh, except for like one island off the coast of Norway. Um, Tyr is has a bunch of place names in, in the Danish area. Uh, some of those place names probably actually don't even refer to him as a god, but to uh, but it's just like the the word tier as it means also God or something worshipped. So that's, that's another uh, complication here, but we don't find many goddesses in these place names. Okay. There are, there are a handful that you could perhaps suggest are references to Freya and Frigg and maybe Njörður as a female version of Njörður in the term, in the version Njörður. So, 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 like we have maybe like three female deities and then a bunch of male deities in the Scandinavian place names, which is just also interesting. The, pro- so, so do, the, the situation is probably. Do you think the, just go on if you're if, uh, yeah, the, the last little bit is the situation is probably that that these place names actually uh, mo- most of them are from after the five hundreds, so they come with that m- pivot towards male male uh, religious activity and temple sites because it is from the 500s and onwards that you get the temple sites before that you don't really have temple sites in the same way at least so so so, so something happens that like reconfigures the, the religious landscape of scandinavia in the 500s where you start like worshiping in male deities in in building structures of some kind mm-hmm. right and so that's probably why those sites out there are named after male gods because they seem to be from the 500s and onwards mostly all right on to your question i think you just answered it okay that's what that's what i was wondering i was wondering what we could take from the fact that there's so many male place names and so little goddess goddess ones i was wondering kind of yeah yeah so and, and you know that also begs the question: like, are we supposed to find gods in the landscape like that? And do we do that in other cultures? And some cultures do, other cultures don't. Um, there's a lot to be said about like that that whole uh, idea. But we can see that they are present in the, the Scandinavian cultures. Like, the gods are emplaced in the landscape. They have holy sites, so to speak. Um, but we don't we don't know much about what that holy site actually meant to those people who called it that uh, initially, right? Mm-hmm. Like a place that's called Thor's arable fields, uh, which would in Sweden be Torshorka, right? Right. It, it, like we don't know what that means, except that that some some person in Sweden was like, "Hey, let me call my fields uh, or name my fields after the, the god Thor." 
Mm, okay. That doesn't mean that that's like synonymous with worship, right? You don't have to assume that. So that's an entirely different discussion. Going back to goddesses in the mythology that I mentioned, right? Snowder has this whole list. He's got uh, um, he's got a list of Ausinir in what is it? Chapter boom, 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 boom. chapter thirty five of Gilvagini, right? He's like, who are the Ausinir? And then High goes, the highest is Freak, and then the second one is Saga. The third one is Er, the fourth one is Gevion, and Fulla, and Freya, and blah, 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 blah. And some of these goddesses um, do seem to have names that are really old. Gevion, um, her name we can find in the early Germanic form uh, carved in, in, um, um, in those uh, um, uh, little altars for the Matronae as Gabia. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a really old name for a goddess that is very elusive because Gavion really only shows up as, as a, a goddess who uh, tricks a Swedish king into letting her take a piece of land and the land that she takes becomes the island of Zealand in the Danish archipelago. Okay. So, so like that's that's really all she does, and then she's like mentioned like in passing here and there. And then we have a bunch of like uh, goddesses that Snorri mentioned, um, whose names uh, seem to just be derived from words in Old Norse. Like uh, um, he goes, um, um, boom, boom, boom. Uh, Lofn. She is uh, so kind and good to pray to that uh, she gets leave from Allfather or Frigg for people's union between women and men, even if before it was forbidden or refused. Okay, so I guess that's adultery or something like that. Hence, it is from her name that it is called Lof, permission. Um, as well as when something is praised, Lovat. Uh, greatly by people. Okay. Ninth, Vaur, she listens to people's oaths and private agreements that women and men make between each other. Thus, these contracts are called Varar, right? So these are all like references to words that exist in his language at the time. And he says that these words have, uh, have co- are come from goddesses, right? Now, Did you, uh, do, you th- this- do you think they actually have? Or do you think he's... Well, this is really fascinating because scholars have generally in like uh, Old Norse mythology agreed that, oh, this is just stuff that Snorri is coming up with. That these didn't exist as goddesses. But uh, these scholars don't seem to be particularly familiar with Greek mythology, where you have the same thing in the Theogony, you know, where, they, where we're told that, oh, all of these different gods they're in charge of these particular concepts and that's why we have a word uh, that goes like this and a word that goes like that and so on so like this is not impossible that 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 they that these goddesses could actually have been sort of like generated from words in the same way mm-hmm. 
So it's a little bit like give and take, like you, you don't really know. Um, but obviously we don't have any more details on them than, than this little bit that Snorri gives us right here in, in his sort of like brief rundown. Okay. So, so that's, that's how that works out, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, it would have been quite interesting to see uh, what that actually looked like in that Viking Age landscape, for instance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bef- the, last, cool. the last bit about goddesses is, of course, all the Valkyrie and Nornir and whatever else they're called that we don't uh, normally include in this, this like idea of high gods or goddesses or whatever we want to call that. Because they have definitely been perceived in the same way as goddesses, I'm sure, by people. Like, if, if you can have a runic inscription from Bergen in 1380 that uh, mentions a Valkyrie right and a bunch of other mythological beings it means that that was a significant uh, mythological figure to to people in uh, scandinavia for that time period that, that's got to be what what is happening here and so we have to ask ourselves like are a lot of these valkyries that we talk about and we see mentioned in the sources are they in fact goddesses because they could be right mm-hmm. The same with the Norns. Are they in fact goddesses? Is it uh, what are they about the Desir? Are they in fact goddesses? And I say yes, they are. They, they, that's that's what they are. They have similar roles as goddesses. So it's like putting all of this stuff in like this hierarchy when they have like the Isia and the Vanya and then the Alva and whatever and blah 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 and Valkyrie is somewhere over in the corner serving beer for Odin. That's nonsense. That's not how people have been thinking about it. These Valkyries were definitely goddesses to people in the Viking Age, I'm sure. That kind of circles back to how we started on what is mm-hmm. a goddess. Because um, I think... Every, every, oh, I every, planned this, man. Every, you what, pardon? I, I planned this. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I think everybody probably has like a different definition of what they assume a goddess is. I mean, if, uh, if I saw a Valkyrie come in, pick somebody up from the, the battlefield or whatever, I would be like, that's a fucking god. That's a god. Right? Like, right? That's not, I don't right? see that I, every I, day. That is a god. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I would not question I wouldn't the, be like, mm, the godliness yeah, of, would, of that would, like, figure mm, right there. Let, let me just check. I've got an ID card. Can I see if you're a god? Like, <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, okay. Before we, before we wrap up, I think, it, is there any particular goddess that stands out for you that maybe like people don't know like uh, an unsung hero or something like that maybe you know like one that's just kind of exists but is is in the background that the, the average person wouldn't know of or have heard of i mean there there, there are a lot um i think i've mentioned this before but i've like compiled a list of all deities and like mythological beings in in the entire nordic region that have well i I guess like the the common aspect is that the the name is germanic in origin or were worshipped by germanic peoples or mentioned in sources that are attached to germanic speaking people's mythologies so that's old norse mythology that's uh old high german literature that is archaeological 
um, evidence from the year zero and onwards, or even before the year zero. And we end up with about 800 something deities at large in that whole cultural region. Okay. Um, and, and about 300 of them can be classified as female. Right? Okay. So you have 500 male, approximately. These are rough numbers. And 300 females. Mm -hmm. right? So that means that there are actually a lot of goddesses that uh, I think uh, people should be aware of if they're interested in all of this stuff. Um, but um, like if we just go for, uh, to the Old Norse material, I, I would say that uh, you know people should look more into Sauga, like uh, who lives in Sukvabek. She's mentioned in Grimnia's sayings, and uh, she's also mentioned briefly in Chapter Thirty-Five of Gulvakinning that I was reading from before. Like this uh, this goddess that drinks from golden cups with Odin every night. I mean, who the hell is she, man? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just this like, brief reference to that apparently she hangs out with Odin every night, drinking from golden cups in a place called Suklapek, which means that's a euphemism. Like bench. That's a euphemism if I ever heard one. It is, I think. Isn't it? it? Is. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, yeah, I think people should look more into uh, what she is, right? She's one of those other marsh dwelling or lake dwelling okay. goddesses I seem, that, that seems to be a theme were significant that is very much a theme right you also have the norns that come from the well or the lake that stands under the the tree of Yggdrasil, or mm -hmm. they come to it or whatever it's a little unclear in the uh in the wording so there's a lot with like goddesses and water bodies in general there we go. And that, of course, then re reminds me that we haven't touched on uh, Ron's daughters. Okay. But there's a bunch of... Uh... That could be an episode on its own. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That could be an episode on I've own. got... But there's a bunch of daughters of Ron that are associated with water as well. I've, Boom. I've yeah. got Eurovision party at the... Eurovision today, baby. That is right, man. I am not going to... Uh, to uh... To keep you from your Eurovision party, even though that I would never be caught dead in a scenario like that. Uh, stop me. Stop trying to be cool for the podcast. I am sorry, but it's, it has nothing to do with being cool. <laughs> I would rather, uh, you know, I don't know, remove my own Ooh. brain through my ear canal Ooh. with a nice pick than listening to <laughs> the music that is being played at Eurovision. No, it's fabulous. <laughs> It's fabulous. <laughs> All right, let's let's get out of here. Um, so, no, firstly, it it obviously you were back last week after a little break. You know, we've been kind of all over the place lately. I know we're recording this on a Saturday, not not Tuesday, because life happened again. Once again, I know Jonas um, had to move things, but hopefully. From now on out, we're going to be back to our usual slots. We're going to get things back running smooth. Um, obviously, we you know we appreciate everyone who's stuck with us. I know I said this on the on the episode with Josh when when Mateus was in here. We you know we, we're going to try and get back to that kind of smooth running of things. We just have all sorts of uh, ups and downs going on in, in both our lives. I think recently, um, but yeah, we're gonna gonna get back there. We're I think we're back there. Hopefully, I think so too. We're 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 back. 
and we will be back at our normal um and a normal scheduled that's it slots in the future exactly yes. if you if you want to if you want to watch the show live if you support us on patreon you get to do that i mean the the chat in the chat that goes on whilst we do the episode is fucking insane it is it's so distracting but it's also so hard not to not to look at it it's it's so much fun um, so if, if you do want to join in on that, just support on Patreon. It's the price of giving me or my taste a coffee once a month, literally one of us, um, and you get access to the to the live show. It's Nordic Mythology Podcast forward slash, no, fuck, Patreon forward slash Nordic Mythology Podcast. It's really easy to set up. It doesn't take much time. It takes a couple of minutes. It really helps us out, keeps us growing the show, helps us, you know, keep Shan in a job. Um, yeah, it, it means a lot to us. If you can't do that, just share the podcast let people know about it tell your friends share it on your instagram uh leave right, us a five star reviews. rating yes yes let's let's get rid of that one of the person who said we uh <laughs> we, we start a topic and don't finish it so let's, let's get rid of that um yeah no we we appreciate anything you can do if we understand that not everybody can support financially so even like I say just sharing rating leaving letting people know about it helps us kind of spread and then we can keep growing and onwards and upwards. We've got some big plans this year. Very big plans. Very big plans. We're going. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for your awesome comments in the chat as well. That chat um, has been distracting today. It, it has been <laughs> distracting. I mean, <laughs> people should sign up just to join in the chat because it has been fucking wild. <laughs> so, all right. Thank, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, see you next time. <laughs>